Happy Monday and a happy early New Year's to us. To some of you, maybe it's Happy New Year's if you've somehow been able to put aside your favorite libertarian variety show for a couple days until the New Year. But either way, to any of you listening right now, I just want to personally thank each and every one of you for listening to the show, for sharing the show, for tweeting about the show, for hating the show. If that's why you listen, I don't care. Even if even if you're here just to hate on me, that's fantastic. That's wonderful. It's really twisted and weird, but that's okay. Either way, for every single one of you, I want to truly thank you guys for an amazing year. We had an incredible year here at Lions of Liberty. We had an amazing time at Porkfest. Thanks to our Patreon supporters who sent us there. We also got to produce our first mini documentary, and we do hope to be producing a lot more video content in the year to come because we're really looking to take things to a whole new level in 2020. One way you guys can help with that, even more so than just listening to the show, is by joining our pride, the Lions of Liberty. Pride on Patreon. That is how we pay for everything we do here. That's how we keep the lights on in the lion's den. And that's how we're able to get out there and do in-person interviews like we were able to do at Porkfest, like we're really looking to do at the Libertarian National Convention this year, which is going to be just an incredible time. Uh, Very contentious chair races, presidential races. Uh, It's going to be amazing. And we're going to be there to capture it all. And quite simply, the more support we get, the more quality content we can bring you, the more live streams, uh, video interviews, and that sort of things that we'll be able to do and produce while we are there. So please do head over to patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. Happy New Year and thank you so much to each and every one of you. And enjoy the final flagship Lions of Liberty podcast of 2019. Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here's your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Clare. Right, Liberty Kitty Cats, welcome back to the flagship Lions of Liberty podcast once again. And today I've got a really special show for you guys, an episode that quite literally spans the globe. I say with apologies to my uh, my flat earth friends, I suppose, uh, but I digress. Today I've got not one, not two, but three guests, and they have a couple things in common. They are all uh, expatriates, meaning they do not reside in their country of origin, and they're all somewhat of the uh, individual liberty persuasion. So with that being said, let's get right to it. First up, he is making his second appearance on the program. First having appeared back in episode 150, he is a writer, a consultant, and the founder of the Borderless blog and podcast, and he currently resides in San Miguel de Allende, Mexico. I'm pleased to welcome back James Guzman. James, are you ready to roar? I'm ready to go. Thanks for inviting me. Awesome, man. Welcome back, dude. And uh, next up, he is also making his second appearance on this program. After appearing just a few months ago on episode 405, he is the director of EscapeArtist.com, host of the Expat Money Show, and author of Expat Secrets, How to Pay Zero Taxes, Live Overseas, and Make Giant Piles of Money. I love that title every time I say it. He currently resides in Panama City, Panama. I'm pleased to welcome back Mikkel Thorup. Mikkel, are you ready to roar? Absolutely. Thanks very much for having me today, Mark. Awesome, man. Welcome back. And lastly, but certainly not leastly, he is making his very first appearance on this program. He is a social media and e-commerce specialist, having lived in Asia for over a decade. He also hosts the podcast Global from Asia, aimed at helping businesses grow in Asia. He currently resides in Thailand. I am pleased to welcome, for the very first time, Mike Michelini. Mike, are you ready to roar? Hey, thanks. Roar. Is that, I'm ready. I'm ready. Awesome, man. And, uh, bright and early. Great to have you here for the first time. Yeah, it's bright and early for you. For us, it's all it's all late in the day, but I believe it's, what, 7 a.m. for you in, in Thailand? Yeah, 7 a.m. Yeah. And where in Thailand are you? Are you in Chiang Mai? Chiang Mai, up in the How north. How did I know? Yeah. That, is, that is the expat haven there. Yeah, there's tons of us here. 
Awesome, man. So, Mike, since it's your first appearance on the show, I'm going to kick things off with you by uh, letting you give us sort of the brief version of how you became a, an expat. What brought you, uh, what first brought you to a life living in Asia? Why did you make that jump? How did you come to, to uh, I know you've lived in China, various parts of Asia, and now to Thailand. Give us sort of the Cliff Notes version of your, of your story. Sure, sure. So, I started selling online while I was still working in the grind in New York City and uh, eBay back in 2004, just figuring stuff out. And of course, I say all roads lead to China. I was buying from Chinese factories pretty quickly and I want to do my own thing. I wanted to, you know, I want to get out of the, the rat race and uh, move to China, China in 2007, buying from factories, e-commerce is a quick, quick answer. <laughs> and then just still here, married Chinese wife, kids uh, down in Thailand now, but doing, doing e-commerce online business stuff from Asia. Would you say you're basically Asian now then? Somewhat, yeah. I'm, I'm in. I'm, I live in Thailand, and uh, I'm surrounded by people talking Chinese all day. So I think, uh, I think that's got to be something special. <laughs> how uh, quickly did you? I'm just curious how quickly you like pick up the languages and that sort of thing. Because I know there are various languages throughout Asia. Obviously, Mandarin is, is pretty widely spoken. How quickly were you able to adapt, just just language wise? Uh, <laughs> I still am not so good, honestly. But <laughs> that's why you work and, on the internet. That's why I like working online and uh, I don't get to, I mean, it kind of just lets me just work online. I just hear people speak Chinese around me or Thai around me and I get to just do my, do my thing. But, you know, I think it's, it's best if you live deep in China or deep in somewhere where you're not surrounded by expats. Maybe that was in 2010 or so. It kind of was when I started getting forced to speak some Chinese to, to, to be able to eat. <laughs> well, come on, Mike. I remember I had you, I heard you swear at the taxi drivers in China like a month or two when I was over visiting you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have the survival Chinese or travel Chinese. Yeah, for sure, man. I, I like, I think we all learn the swears first, right? Anyway, any language. <laughs> I mean, it's, they're the most important words ultimately. <laughs> All right, so we'll backtrack a little bit. And, uh, you know, Mikel and James, I both had you on the show for sort of a full podcast-length versions of your stories. So uh, we'll just kind of hit the quick versions for you real quick for people that haven't heard those episodes. But I, of course, encourage you to go back and check those out. I'll link to both of them in today's show notes over at lionsofliberty.com slash 432. So, Miguel, why don't we start with you? Why don't you just give a little recap of uh, your journey, how you became an expat, how you came to live in Panama City and do what you do? Yeah, Difficult to give a, a short version, but I'll, I'll do my absolute right. best. I mean, we, we barely scratched it in the hour version. But. <laughs> Basically, I dropped out of school when I was 12 years old, and a couple years after that, I started traveling. Um, at this point, I've been to something like 104 or 105 different countries. Um, I've lived overseas for 20 years in eight different countries. Panama is my eighth country that I've lived in. Um, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a writer, and uh, I've built my business overseas, and uh, yeah. Traveling and living as an expat is really my passion. Like I'm not a digital nomad. I'm not one of these lap, uh, laptop lifestyle kind of people. No, I move to a place. I incorporate myself into the culture, into the community. Um, in some cases, I've lived there for a year. In other cases, like the United Arab Emirates, I was there for eight years straight. So, you know, I have a lot of friends. I have furniture. I have real things. I don't just uh, travel with a backpack. Since you don't really consider yourself a nomad, you do like to really settle down in a place and you know like become part of the culture for a while. I'm kind of curious what does actually spur one of those moves, you know, to, to one of those you know eight countries that you've lived in. What is it usually just like an opportunity, or is there something just a feeling that comes ab about that says, okay, maybe it's time to, to check another place out? Okay, well, let me give you an example. So, like I said, I lived in the Middle East for eight years, 
And I loved it there. It was a tax-free country and I had a lot of freedoms and, you know, you could drink and it's, you know, this is not Saudi Arabia. This is Abu Dhabi and Dubai. And uh, a couple of years ago, they decided they're going to introduce a VAT, 5%. And everyone went, ah, oh, it's not that bad. It's only 5%. And I said, no, bullshit. Soon as a government gets, gets a taste for tax, they want more. And I didn't like this at all. So we started looking around at other countries and other places to go. And we ended up choosing Panama because it has a territorial tax system, along with many other reasons, you know, like I, I write specifically about the offshore markets and about being an expat. Anyways, I, I, maybe a month or two ago, someone forwards me a, um, a newspaper clipping from, uh, from the national newspaper there. They're going to be introducing a, um, a wealth tax. They're going to double, possibly triple the VAT. They're adding 100% tax to tobacco products, 100%. So that literally doubles the price of cigarettes and hookah and all these types of things. Um, what was it? A 50% tax on uh, sugary goods like sodas and things like this. They were going to have a property tax, and it was just like they went from being a completely tax-free country to just piling on the tax like crazy. And for me, it's disgusting. So I, this was what really spurred uh, the move for me. Yeah, you saw the writing on the wall and the direction things were going, and they had enough. Exactly. All right, James, we'll move on to you. Let's get. Let's hear the uh, the Cliff Notes version. Your attempt at the short version of how you <laughs> ended up uh, as an expat living in San Miguel. Yes, sir. Uh, well, I am what you would call a third culture kid, meaning uh, so my my dad was uh, Puerto Rican, my mother was American. So to me, you know, I, I grew up within different cultures, and that makes you more accustomed to um, getting along. And and um, so you know, it, it was much easier for me to you know look at other places and it not be this giant jump that I recognize that for a lot of people, it, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a really big deal. It wasn't as big of a deal for me to think about living uh, or, you know, spending more time in other places. Um, I joined the Navy uh, right out of high school. I was in the Navy for four years. Then I uh, studied international business in Madrid, um, then worked for a bank in Barbados, uh, managed uh, vacation rentals in Acapulco, and since then, I've been mostly based in San Miguel de Allende, and I, uh, I also travel around. I have uh, managed vacation rentals. I also have, uh, you know, World of Podcast, although I haven't been really doing much of that. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, you know, I just uh, – I think that nowadays it definitely makes sense to, you know, if you're going to be in business, uh, you're going to be investing. Um, if you're, you know, you're thinking about your own cost of living to be able to think about it internationally and look at the options that are available to you. And kind of, you know, that's why I call it borderless. Uh, the podcast and the blog is breaking down your own borders uh, psychologically, that there's a lot of things that are out there that maybe you can live a, a better life just by getting past certain borders that you have, certain psychological borders to, uh, to get to where you want to be in life. And James, you haven't bounced around uh, quite as much as Mikel and Mike have. Uh, so I'm kind of curious, what what about San Miguel specifically uh, was it that sort of made you settle down there? Semi, I know you do bounce around a little bit, but what has sort of made that your sort of home base? Yeah, so I even did a, a podcast about this uh, with one of my guests where we, we specifically talked about the difference between a digital nomad and an expat. And I, you know, I agree with Mikel. I would consider myself an expat. And uh, we go through all the details about that. Uh, I liked uh, San Miguel. You know, I'm here. It's just, um, you know, it, it's not a big city. So it's kind of a town, you know, on the weekends. It has a lot of tourism and stuff like that. Another thing that I think um, 
is it, once you live in a place where it has beautiful architecture, uh, just there's a lot of things around you that are beautiful. When you go back to, you know, I noticed in the United States, when I go back, it just seems like a lot of the cities, I, I can't even tell which city I'm in anymore. It's a lot of the same roads, big box stores. Um, there's not, not a whole lot of culture. There's not a whole, and, and so, you know, that was one of the things I really liked about San Miguel de Allende. It's all, you know, 300 year old architecture, all these really great churches and all this type of stuff. And, and I think there is something to be said about, you know, being in a place with that kind of thing. You can walk everywhere. It's a little more of a, a small town. So, so I liked it, you know, great cost of living, great quality of life. Um, but certainly not like a, a, a place for, you know, that's, that's the best for like business networking and stuff like that. So I do have to go to, to more, you know, different places. I want to go to the beach. If I want to go to other uh, cities to, uh, to do more of that, but I, I've enjoyed it as kind of a home base area. Cool. All right, gentlemen. Well, what I really want to do today uh, with this with this roundtable here is kind of give people that have been considering uh, becoming an expat or have dabbled with the thought of it sort of more of an idea uh, of the reality of it and, uh, you know, sort of the, some of the challenges, benefits and how they could actually make this move themselves if it was just sort of a, a fantasy in their mind and try to bring some of the reality of how that could actually come about for them or Alternatively, maybe sort of interest people who have never thought of this idea, who are maybe being or maybe are in a rut in life of some kind, and might think, well, maybe there's this other option I hadn't really thought of. So that's the kind of stuff I really want to explore here today. I have a few topics I want to chat with you about, and then we're going to try to get in some uh, questions from our Patreon supporters, our members of the Lions of Liberty Pride that keep the show going uh, towards the end. So this is not a formal debate. I'm not going to call on anyone's name. Anybody can talk at any time, talk each over each other. It's what we do here too. It's all good. But the, the <laughs> first thing I want to talk about um, for people out there that are considering this or have thought about it, or maybe that haven't, what is the number one reason that you individually feel someone should, should actually make that move and become an expat? I'll let any of you take it away. I could jump in on this one. Um, sure. And I think this is so applicable for a libertarian podcast because I find that a lot of libertarians in specifically in the United States, they talk a lot, a lot of talking about, okay, we know that tax is theft and war is murder and things like this. But then they don't do anything about it. They still pay taxes. They still live in the country. They still contribute. For me, I try to live these things every day. So that's why I physically have removed myself from the situation. It's a peaceful way to actually make sure that I'm not helping uh, perpetrate all these crimes. So, you know, when I write about these things, about saving money on taxes, um, and I do everything from a libertarian perspective, I feel good at the end of the day, because if I help motivate someone to leave the country and remove themselves from the situation, that's one do less dollar that goes into dropping bombs on little children and women in, um, across the other side of the world, you know? So I think people need to really look at themselves philosophically and their belief structures and what they believe, and then make a decision based on that. And we can get into like a million other reasons for being an expat, but I think philosophically is a great place to start. So for you, it's it's very philosophical and, and very much just the very fact that you're not supporting with your money, with your hard-earned labor, these atrocities that, that are committed by the government of the United States. Um, you know, that, that's kind of one, one reason for you. I'm curious, like, how much do you think about when you go live in another country? How much do you think about, like, the evil? Because obviously every government is doing evil on some level. How much do you think about that? And are, are there certain countries you would just not go to because of, of the actions of their government? Obviously, the United States is one of them. Okay, well, I suppose one of the main reasons that I live as an expat and travel is because 
I love the world. Like I'm a really happy person. I really like to get out there and explore. I'm very, very curious. But philosophically are the reasons that I just mentioned. Now, choosing a country to live in, yes, absolutely. I try to pick a country that has a very small government. So Panama, Panama's government is impotent. They can't do anything here. They have no military. There's no tax on income if you earn your, your, uh, your funds outside of the country. The um, sales tax is very low. They don't have anything. Like They just don't have their shit together here. They're not going to be spying on you with your, the dollars that they steal from you. There's just nothing going on. Like it's, like I like to call Panama the last bastion of freedom in the world. You know? And I think the more and more that I read and understand and mature and get older, the more and more that these things become important to me. James, Mike. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to jump in there real quick. I just wanted to say that, you know, normally what, what, what I talk about with people, um, I mean, obviously there are people, you know, like Mikkel's talking about, they're more philosophically based, but, but also, I mean, I, I think that a lot of people, especially in the United States, I mean, that's mostly what I can talk about. That's where I grew up. That's what I know. Um, you know, they, they are stuck in, in, in a life that they think that they have to live, that they think there's no escape from. Uh, and, uh, you know, they, they have a lot of questions and, and, and they don't understand how easy it is. Um, you know, just from an economic standpoint, how you can cut down your cost of living, how you can cut down the amount of taxes you pay, how you can cut down the amount of, you know, on, on healthcare, uh, you know, insurance coverage and all these types of things. And, you know, they're worried about a lot of different things, but quite honestly, you're not taking, you're not sacrificing quality of life. Um, you know, you can, there are plenty of places where you can have a fantastic quality of life or a, a much lower cost of living and, and all the other things that I was talking about. So it's just, you know, I, I would say, you know, I, I don't encourage people uh, to go move abroad. If they don't, I mean, you know, maybe they maybe they want to, maybe they don't want to, but I want them to understand that there is this option available and it's probably a lot easier than you realize. And it's not going to suck, you know. And so, um, uh, you know, it, I think you're saying that in, in the beginning, well, how do you uh, recommend people get started? You know, it's one thing I always say is just like, just do it. I don't know. There's really nothing. I, I Like I was saying, like. I grew up as a third culture kid, so to me it was a lot easier. And I understand that after talking with a lot of people, you know, you, you're born and raised in one place. It's a it's a big leap, and I empathize with that. Um, but just do it. I mean, just you know, if you see some place that that seems interesting, go take go there go there for uh, you know rent an Airbnb for two months. Just do it. Just just see what's awesome. up. See how you like it. I bet you'll like it. And go talk to an accountant and say, hey, what if I. Uh, you know, establish residency. Would I save money? You know, and and talk to me. And I think you'll realize it's a, it's not as a as a scary thing as you, as you might think it is. Great. And we'll we'll get into addressing some of those challenges that, or the, I guess some of the fears that people have about that sort of thing. And Mike, uh, what about you? What what do you think is the number one reason someone should actually make a move like that? I mean, I think it's really about opening your your mindset, especially Americans. I mean, we're. Or even, I mean, I live in China. I don't know if that's the most, <laughs> I don't want to get so deep into China, but I, I moved here for business reasons. But I mean, just the point of moving outside of your home country, I always try to tell people, even if it's just a short term amount of time, even if, what's the, and I always try to say, what's the worst that can happen? You go back to your life before. I mean, like when I quit my job, they were like saying I was going to be begging for my job back in a year. You know, I guess I, I guess I could have, you know, what's, you could probably get your old job back. I tell people, what if you leave your current life, you know, you're so scared. It's, it is scary. I was scared, but I always try to tell people, what's the worst that could actually happen? That's the thing I always try to think about in life when I make a big decision. What's the worst that can happen? The worst can happen is I probably just go back to my old life and just 
try to beg for my job back and just apologize to my family. You know, what, what could, I, what's the worst that could happen? And the, and what's the best that could happen, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was just gonna say the worst that can happen if you don't do it, you don't even know because the worst that can happen exactly. is you're missing out on all sorts of opportunities that you, you don't even know what they exactly, could even be. Exactly, right? You're, you're so, missing yeah. out on infinite possibilities. Yeah. Exactly. So that's what I try to tell and people. And Mike met his wife overseas in China. I met my wife, who's also Chinese overseas. Like, Mike's got kids. I got kids. And James is playing yeah. the field in San Miguel. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no comment. I know what you mean by a lot of tourists come through. I read you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another thing I wanted to say real quick also is, um, yeah. you know, wh- one thing that uh, is, is, is that I also think is is good in this age that we're living in right now. If you haven't noticed, I mean, it's it's very tumultuous. There's a lot of uh, you know things going on within nation states, and you know we're all young here. I would I would say on on the podcast, and probably a lot of people listening. I, I might be the oldest one here. I think you might be, yeah. But I would I'm say almost forty. Okay, well, we're all young. We're all in the same age bracket. I think you know maybe a lot of people uh, are getting to see, and and, and I, I'd like you to understand, we're probably going to be living through you know, a lot of ups and downs and, and, a, and, a, and a pretty crazy um, yeah. time. And so a good strategy is to be agile, is to be lean, uh, you yourself personally in your life, to be able to move around and all that type of stuff. If you're stuck in one place, I mean, you know, we can we can try to predict what's going to happen over the next 10 years or 20 years. But that's very hard to say. I mean, you know, can you imagine trying to predict what's going to happen in 20 years with all this stuff going on right now? So do, are you sure that you want to have all of your eggs in one basket, you, yourself, your life, your house, your investments, your, you know, everything in that one place? Or, you know, you might want to think about diversifying a little bit, um, you know, you personally, uh, your investments, your, you know, where you bank, where you, the place you know people, uh, at least have a place that you know if wherever it is that you are, if you definitely don't want to be there anymore, as they would say, like shit hits the fan or something. Where, you know, is there another place maybe that you can go to or that you feel comfortable or, you know, what are you going to do? So, you know, it's good to just think about that also. Then. And it's so much easier to travel and, and uh, look at things from an international level now that, uh, you know, it's just definitely worth taking a look at. And I, I want to talk a little bit more about, you know, a theme that all of you have touched on at some point is uh, the fears that people have about about making a move like this. And I think one of the things people might fear the most is just how am I going to live? How am I going to survive? How am I going to make income in this new place where I don't know people, where I don't have, you know, any kind of professional background? And let's just take the example. I mean, I think for some people, it might be an easier transition. If, if someone has a job that's already uh, mobile, that's already something they can do on the go, that makes the decision, I think, a lot easier because they can just take that current setup and move it to a cheaper country and, you know, go from there. But for some other people, they might have always had sort of a, a quote unquote normal nine to five type job. Uh, they might not feel as confident of being able to just take those skills uh, digitally. What are some ways that people can easily move to a new place and start generating some kind of income? And I know you guys all have ideas on this. So I'll, I'll let any of you take it away. Uh, I mean, maybe just, you don't have to, you could do it in stages. You don't have to just quit your job with no income outside your current job. You could start working part. I mean, that's what I did. I started selling on eBay and my website before I quit. So you could do freelance work. You could, you know, I think the biggest thing is swallow your pride. You know, you might not make as much at the beginning, but I think, um, hopefully it's a long-term investment, but I would suggest to just, uh, try to get the hang of it before you, you jump make a full jump out. You know, a lot of people I meet, especially here in Chiang Mai, it's like a digital nomad hub. 
they just fly here with no idea what they're going to do. And then they sign up for some kind of coaching program from somebody. And I think they're better off if they try a little bit before they jump out. But I, I, I love the people that just kind of like take the dive. But I would suggest to maybe practice a little bit before you jump. I suppose if you can prove the concept a little bit first, then it makes that transition a little easier. Yeah, go ahead. James. Yeah. Go ahead, James. Yeah, no, I completely agree with what Mike's saying. And that's one thing I definitely encourage people because I get a lot of people saying that, you know, oh, I want to go to, I don't know, you know, Mexico and find a job. You know, no, that's a horrible <laughs> idea. That's a horrible idea. Do not do that. You know, so the, the idea is you want to have income from, you know, let's say, you know, we're all, we're talking about the United States here. So you want to have income from the United States or from, you know, from a, a Western country or something like that, a developed country that, and go, and then you can go and, you know, what um, Tim Ferriss called uh, geo arbitrage in that, you know, you can then live in a less expensive place with that money. You know, if, if you were making the same amount of money than you are in, in a, in a uh, less developed area and it's inexpensive to live there, well, you haven't really improved your, your quality of life. I mean, unless again, it's on, philosophical reasons or you just like the culture or something like that but that's not really the idea so the idea is securing an income whether it's you know maybe you want to work and get some sort of investment income coming in or having a job that you can slowly take um, remote or having a you know building up a skill having a, a, a starting with some sort of a skill a lot of people start you know there's really not that many that you can just do all online uh, but you know so you know copywriting a lot of people start with copywriting um, you know, some people do like voiceovers, uh, there, there's a, you know, a number of things that you can see on these freelancing sites, you know, uh, coding and, and helping people with, uh, social marketing or, and, and things like that. But yeah, you definitely want to build up something, a portfolio, some sort of an income and, and then move overseas or have, um, a good amount of investment in order to take the, the, the leap. But, trying to go over, the, go over there and get a job or something like that, I, I, I recommend against. Completely. Yeah, but you can go to some countries and get a job. Like, <laughs> yeah, I lived in the UAE for eight years. I had lots of people who got offered a job there and they were making like five times or 10 times what they would be making back yeah. home. Did, did, they get the, did they get offered the job before they went though? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. true. They, yeah, they get the, the, the get the job offer and then move over. So I guess that is a bit different than what you're saying. But it is possible just to get a job online and move to a country. Yeah, I mean, you can do it. I mean, you, you can just go there, and, and I'm sure there are people that that you know th that works out. But uh, I, I just I think that's uh, that's that's very risky. And then you just mentioned quickly about the freelancing sites. I would definitely agree with you on that. I think that there's heaps of opportunities on that. Like I use Upwork for my business and probably spent, I don't know, like $100,000 on freelancers in the last year or two. And man, you can find anything and everything. You find accountants and bookkeepers and lawyers and um, IT people and graphic designers and like literally everything you could possibly think of that you would need to help with, you can find on there. So on the reverse side of that is those people could be digital nomads. They could be expats. They could be living overseas and building their life in a geo arbitrage, like you just said. Yeah. Like chances are, if you have a skill, you can probably sell it online. Yeah, right. And also a business. I mean, it, it really uh, amazes me. I talked to a lot of like business owners and stuff, and especially the ones that are in you know like San Francisco area uh, or you know California and stuff. And it's like, you know, if you have a business, why? Are, uh, do you have it? Why, why do you have everybody there? And, and they actually have their team living in these areas. I mean, all of your expenses are going to rent for your employees. 
It's like, yeah. why? I don't, I don't understand. I just don't, I, I, I guess, you know, that's another thing, you know, like I was saying with me, it's hard for me to, a lot, a lot of people have trouble moving out of the, they're raised. A lot of people that I guess they see networking or something. Like that. I just don't, I can't get it. Why would you be there? I mean, you're spending so much taxes and money on your employees and it's completely unnecessary. This is a dig on Mark, I swear. Mark, you should answer this one. <laughs> I actually brought all of you here to to group shame me into uh, into becoming an expat. <laughs> this is really a therapy session. This isn't even going to air. This is just for me. <laughs> I mean, I think the other one. I'll just add more uh, ideas. Is, is you could turn your employer into a into a client. You could talk to your boss and say, "Hey, I, I even think that's from the four hour work week book." Yeah. But you can talk to your boss and just say, "Hey, I'd rather travel." I know a lot of really talented developers, especially if you're technical. You know, and you're really important to the company. And maybe you're, like you said, the location doesn't matter. So maybe even, I don't know if you want to willingly get a pay cut, but maybe if you say you can pay me less and I'll do the same mm-hmm. project and I'll live overseas, you know, that could also be an idea. I haven't done it myself, but I've heard of others. I mean, programmers, especially all the time that do that kind of stuff. Especially when you, when you think about it, if you're going to move to another country, um, the odds are the kind of country you're going to move to is going to be a cheaper place to live. I mean, if you move to, say, Mexico, where you could argue in, in some places it's going to be 30 to 40 percent uh, of the cost that you currently live now, um, maybe even less, depending on what, what part of the country you live in. If, so maybe even if you you figure out a situation where you make half as what, of what you made before, well, you're still coming out ahead uh, by making that move. Hold your horses, kitty cats. I have to jump in here for one second and tell you about another another great libertarian podcast. And this one is not your typical podcast. This one doesn't really focus so much on the ideas of liberty, but on music. And who doesn't love music in some form or another? I I guess some people don't, but who really wants to know those people anyway? Let's be honest. Anyway, the show is aptly titled Sounds Like Liberty. Sounds Like Liberty is hosted by Liberty's favorite nerdy husband, Nick Pacone, and his wife, Lizzie. They speak to guests every single week to find out who has the best music taste here in Ancapistan. And uh, the Lions of Liberty have actually been on the show, at least a good number of us. Myself, uh, Brian McWilliams, and Howie Snowden have all been on Sounds Like Liberty. We're still waiting for the John Oderman episode, uh, but uh, we're not actually sure if John listens to music because we already know he doesn't watch movies. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to go ahead and go on over to ancapmusic.com and check out Sounds Like Liberty or just search Sounds Like Liberty on your favorite podcatcher. That's all I do. I I stick completely to the podcatchers, but Sounds Like Liberty is an excellent show and really does a great job of merging culture, music, and liberty together. I highly recommend this program. If that wasn't enough, the show is co-hosted by an African-American female ANCAP. I mean, what, what more could you ask for? And by the way, Nick did tell me to say, that in the ads. <laughs> Do check out Sounds Like Liberty. Go to ancapmusic.com right now to learn more. And uh, another thing I want to dig into now, uh, obviously it's not always roses. There's always uh, lumps and lumps you take, hits you take, challenges along the way. So I want to let you guys uh, chat a little bit now about the kind of challenges you have faced uh, become as an expat, either in the transition to becoming an expat or just life in general as an expat. Uh, I know Mikel has had some some challenges recently <laughs> I'll, I'll with, go uh, first with his move. One. So yeah, you, I know you got a tail. Okay, so yeah, so earlier this year, like I said, I relocated from Abu Dhabi to Panama. We took we were in Panama. Sorry, we were in the UAE for eight years, so I had a lot of stuff. And you know, my mother lived in the UAE with me. Um, my wife, my daughter. There was the four of us. So between us, we had a full shipping container. Well, we looked online and we found a company that that ships stuff and. You know, we negotiated on the price. It was fine. We had the movers. They loaded up the, the shipping container. 
with literally everything, like my library, like a thousand books, 2000 books, my wife's handbag collection, like don't mess with a woman and her handbags. Okay? <laughs> just, just keep that in mind. Um, literally everything, kids, pictures, like my daughter's photos and everything. And we put it on the boat and shipped it off to Panama. Well, we get, we arrive in Panama and we're supposed to be waiting like a week or two weeks or something until our stuff comes. And the week comes and goes and we message it and where's our stuff. And, um, it arrives, but we don't, they won't release it. We're trying to figure out like what's going on. Why won't you release it? They tell us, oh, you need the OBL, the original bill of lading. And we're like, okay, well, Wikipedia, like, fuck is an OBL? <laughs> okay, so we get that. Or so we figure out what that is. And we're like, well, we don't have it. They're like, well, you have to contact the company who shipped it over. And then once we have that, then we can release it. So to take a very, very long story and make it a little bit shorter, um, the company that we had hired to ship our things ended up using a third-party company and outsourced the work to someone else. So they took the, I think it was like five or $6,000. They took the five or six grand, hired someone else. Uh, the other company shipped the stuff and this company didn't pay. And they just told them, oh, we'll pay later or the client hasn't paid us yet. So when the client pays, we'll pay you. So we emailed for one week, two weeks, three weeks, a month, five weeks, six weeks. We can't figure out what's going on. Our stuff is sat in the port of Manzanilla. And um, we start getting emails from them saying, like, if you don't collect your, uh, your shipping container, we're going to have it destroyed. We're, like, freaking out. You know, it was, like, probably, like, 100 grand worth of stuff, you know? And uh, so we go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. We find out that the original company has gone into liquidation. They've gone out of business. And they pocketed the five $6,000 and uh, they didn't pay any of the other vendors. So now the third-party company starts coming after us and starts putting a lien on our things to make us pay a second time for all of our stuff. So we end up arguing with them. The $5,000 turned into like $15,000. Our stuff was sat on the port for 100 days uh, they got to the point where they're like, "We're gonna, we're gonna open your shipping container. We're gonna take it to the to the government employees. We're gonna let them have it first. They'll take whatever they want, and then the rest of it's gonna be destroyed if you don't get rid of this." Wow! So we ended up having to pay like three times as much. We finally got our stuff, like after like fighting and lawyers and like so many sleepless nights, and my wife freaking out because of her handbag. But uh, yes, moral of the story is uh, really do your due diligence when you work with a shipping container because these guys were <laughs> scumbags, absolute scumbags. And I'm already like, I'm, I'm getting stressed here now telling the story. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Can anybody top that? Well, well, I don't know if I can top that, but I would say that, you know, one of the biggest things, um, especially for uh, Americans uh, when, you know, I've mostly been in Latin America and Latin countries, even in Europe. And, you know, trying, you know, being of an entrepreneurial spirit um, and, and all this type of thing, it is going to be frustrating if you're going to try to do any types of uh, endeavors, uh, have employees or contractors or something like that. It's definitely a different idea of, of um, you know, how, how quickly things get done and how, when, you know, how punctual people are and, you um, uh, how, how well things were. I mean, if, if you're expecting everything to work perfectly, I mean, I, I think everybody can imagine what I'm saying. I'm telling you, you're going to, it's going to drive you nuts. You got to kind of 
you know, let things go sometimes. And uh, it, it took me a while. It, it took me a while to, to get that done. You know, I was working at a hotel when I first moved in Acapulco and, um, and yeah, there was a lot of stuff for me to get used to, even with lawyers and things like that, that I'm just like, you know, you can't get them to, uh, to respond as quickly as you might want to. And, um, so yeah, that's, that's very frustrating. That's very frustrating. Um, there's also, you know, d- depending on the country, depending on what you, you're, you're trying to do, there are a lot of, um, bureaucratic hurdles that are going to be in your way. That's going to be very, uh, you know, mind boggling. You're not going to believe. And, um, I mean, that's, that's kind of, um, that's, I don't know, you got it. You got to have to deal with it and it's tough sometimes. And, you know, you, well, you know, that, that, that's why, you know, when Mikel was talking about from a philosophical uh, point, if you want to do that because you're against the state and, and all that, well, you're going to have a lot of things in, a, in other countries. Uh, you're going to be dealing with a lot of bureaucratic stuff that's going to drive you nuts, too. And so, um, I don't know. So, yeah, so that definitely, uh, depending on where you're going, I would say, you know, in Latin America specifically, if, if you're thinking about that, you know, get, get ready. <laughs> get ready for that. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, if you think a 2 p.m. appointment means 2 p.m. in Mexico, yeah. you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, I mean, I guess that's maybe if you... Honestly, if you want to live like an American overseas, you're going to pay more. I think any of you would agree with that. I mean, so you, if you're if you're if you're open minded and flexible, and I think that's actually one of the bad raps that Americans have is uh, overseas is uh, we try to push our culture and our way of living on even those around us. Or we want to exactly live like we live in our own home. But I think honestly, it's one of my favorite things is kind of localizing a little bit. I don't know. So, but yeah, I know I met a lot of people that come overseas and they start freaking out because they can't get the exact same food, the exact same, like, yeah, I mean, my bathroom is a little bit different. Sometimes the showers are different. You know, I sometimes bidet, I don't know if you guys bidet or not, but, uh, (laughs) you know, I don't know. I mean, you got to be a little bit open-minded or especially in China, there's like whole toilets. Sometimes you got to, you know, you just, kind of got to adapt and uh, i think maybe that's if you're not willing to do that uh maybe that would be a little bit harder for you to be overseas but of course you can live like it you could live in the expat living area you know and pay top dollar but you'll probably pay more than you're gonna pay staying in the u.s if that's what you really want i think i don't know if others agree but Sure. I think no matter what your your planned lifestyle is, whenever you move to another country or I mean, I, I go through this just spending a few weeks or months in, in another place. Uh, there is always a, a big cultural adjustment, uh, whether it's just the way people operate or the bathrooms or what have you. There's always an adjustment there. So that's and that's going to be maybe even a bigger impact on you if it's a place you're trying to move. Uh, but like you said, like Mike was saying, you have to have an open mind if you're going to do this. And I think the kind of person that would make this sort of leap is, is probably going to already have that sort of open minded streak. Uh, in the first place, but you know, it's good to keep that in mind. But there's one other thing as well, because you can think about it like going to another country and living an American style lifestyle, or you can look at it like you just said, Mike, and living the local lifestyle. But usually what I do yeah. is I live in the expat communities, which are not usually populated by Americans, mostly populated by Europeans and Africans and Chinese and like literally every country in the world. So you get like this total melting pot of so many different cultures in one place. I think that's really cool. Those are the places that I usually go to. Like here, my closest friends are Russian. Um, I have New Zealander friends. Half my friends are South Africans. And yeah, I've got a couple of Panamanians. But I think, I don't even think I have any American friends here. Maybe one, <laughs> one other Canadian friend, but that's it. Like everyone else is from around the world. So there's that aspect as well of a culture. 
It's a slightly higher end version of, uh, you know, staying at a hostel when, when you're backpacking. Oh, definitely <laughs> higher end. Absolutely. I live in a penthouse, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, if you guys don't mind, I think we're going to move on to take a few questions from our Patreon supporters, the Lions of Liberty Pride. They keep this show going. They help us grow. They help us with all this equipment you see here. Well, it's really, all you see is this microphone, but there's more around here. Trust me. Um, I want to start with a question from Stephanie Bloom Parker. She wants to know what is the greatest benefit of leaving the state and the state being whatever state you're from, uh, you know, the United States or Canada for Miguel. What is the, just the number one benefit you have of not living in your country of origin? Uh, James, I'll let you start. Yeah. So I would definitely, you know, I, I don't want to um, try to give anybody the, the run around here. Look, to be honest with you, it's economic. You know, you can live with less, you can save money on taxes, you can save money on um, on your health insurance costs, you can save money on a lot of different things. And uh, that's that, that's the biggest thing. You know, if you want to get out of the rat race, if you want to achieve financial freedom, you need to lower your expenses and save more money for investments. And the best way, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can do that while you're in whatever state you are, but to not at least consider doing these types of strategies to lower your costs of living, uh, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're missing a, a big opportunity there. So I, I really think that's the, that's the biggest thing. Mike, what about you? What's the, what's the number one benefit of living overseas? Of course, I guess, you know, living overseas, you, uh, I think so much opportunity because you're, you're different where you are. Like, like Mikel was saying, like he's, there's not many other Americans there. I think your value goes up for both the American people that might want to work in that market or people in there that want to kind of get entry into the U.S. I mean, I love the whole cross-border international side of the, of the part of it. And, you know, I think it makes you more valuable. Um, and then my life will never be the same. I don't know if I can go back. I guess I could go back, but, uh, you know, I just say I, I, I lived in San Diego for a while. I mean, I, I, I worked in New York. I was kind of like working online while I lived in California, but I was getting bored. Yeah, I got bored, honestly. Like I like the adventure. I like the, uh, you know, I see all these new opportunities all around me, you know, and I think that's my favorite part of it. Of course you can save money or you can be between the lines of, you know, where's your, where you're living, where's your, where's your residency. I still like the whole, that's kind of like what I talk about on my, on my, in my world is the, uh, these opportunities you can see everywhere because you're not just in the same market as the same kind of demographic as everybody around you. All right, Mikel, and you were an expat from a very young age. So what is the number one benefit you have seen throughout your life of being an expat? Well, I think it just pushes you, you know, things are different. They're challenging. Like I, I now have to do everything in Spanish. I'm studying Spanish three hours a day with online wow. private tutors and things like this, like, and online courses and, you know, that really challenges me. You know, I've been an expat for 20 years. Almost all of it has been in English. Um, I'm doing things here now at 37 that I've never had to do before in my life. Um, you know, and traveling, I've traveled all through these countries, but it's so different. You know, I don't have to get elect my electricity bill or my internet set up or my house painted or, you know, there's just so many things that needs to be done. But I think that the more that you challenge yourself in the world, then the more you grow, like, I can literally handle anything because like, I've just been challenging myself so much since I was a young kid, you know, like I started moving overseas when I was 17, you know, I look at back at some of the shit that I did then and like, 
I'm fucking crazy. Like, I can't believe I did that. You know, I, I hitchhiked through Central and South America for 18 months with a backpack, a tent, and a jar of peanut butter. Like, you know, this and was... Here you are. Yeah, and that was... We didn't have internet. We didn't have... Like, the internet existed, but we weren't using it. Like, we weren't building online businesses, and we didn't have smartphones to take pictures and um, access the internet. Like, you had to go to an internet cafe, and it cost a lot of money, and you'd sit down one day a week, and you'd write an email, and let your parents know that you were still alive. Like, that really challenged you. You know, there's just so many things like that. And I think the more you put yourself into difficult situations, the better off you're going to be. It builds your character, it builds your skill set, and it forces you to do these things that you wouldn't necessarily be forced to do if you just stayed sort of in your box. You got it. That's right. All right, moving on to Ben Panji. He wants to know, what do you miss the most about living in the States or Canada for Mikel? Uh, whether it's family, food, weather, culture, he says, surely there are some things that you miss. I'll go first on this one. Nothing. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing at all. All right, that's a good answer. It's an easy answer. Mike, what about you? Of course, I think the family, you know, my my family doesn't really, uh, they don't really almost agree or live the way I live or think the way I think. And they, they don't even have passports, some of them. So they just wait for me to go back and meet them or they ask me when is the next time I'm going back. And it's getting less and less often lately. <laughs> right. So that's, that's for sure. At some point you're like, come on, get a passport. Come yeah, exactly. James, what about you? Anything you missed from the States? Well, no, I'm not, I'm completely not against going to the States or being in the States or, or anything like that. I mean, I think that, um, you know, uh, there's a lot of uh, interesting things going on in the States. There there are some some places I'd have to really think about. You know, it takes a lot for me to think about, like, where I'd want to spend a lot of time. But I definitely don't, don't uh, not against spending time in the States so that you have good shopping. <laughs> um, and... Um, <laughs> you know, yeah, my, my, my family's there. And, you know, so I've, I've, I've got nothing, you know, against it. I don't have time. Spent, uh, against, but you can certainly do, um, you know, it's easy to do business there. Um, you know, start startup companies and things like that. Uh, good economy. And um, so, yeah. No, yeah I, but do I don't you really miss those things, James? Uh, what, what, what specifically? Do you really miss the good economy and the shopping and all the stuff you listen well, no, when I, 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 do you stay up late at night dreaming yeah, of shopping like, at the mall? This is like, the- <laughs> man, I really want to go back to the States because I, so I, <laughs> well, I do, I do go back to the States and go shopping. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, there you go. I mean, the food There's sometimes hard to get the, you know, American food is, is good. I mean, it costs more overseas, but I can get it overseas, but it's definitely cheaper and more abundant in America's food. So, uh, I, I wanted to, and I wanted to go, uh, also mention something, um, earlier, uh, you know, there, there's this this concept that I'm sure all of us here are familiar with the, uh, the the flag theory and all this type of thing, where you plant different flags. Maybe people uh, listening to the podcast don't know, but if you just look up flag theory, you'll see it. I don't really want to go through it all right now, but you know, w- one thing is that um, you know there are different places that are better for different things. Um, so you know, maybe you you enjoy um, you know you have one place as a playground that um, you know is inexpensive and you have a good time there and all that type of stuff. Another place that's better for finding uh, real estate investments. Uh, another place that's better for having you know your your online identity, etc. And so, no, I don't want to uh, rule the U.S. out as a place that you can have some sort of a flag or you know um, have some sort of a presence. So I think that yeah, there are definitely places in the U.S. that are good for. Uh, 
for certain things. Moving on to Adam Choit. He has a question. Interesting question. He says, is it easier to talk about your personal politics with people in other countries? How has that gone in various places? And I know here, at least how it is now in the U.S., it's nearly impossible, especially where I am in Los Angeles, it's nearly impossible to talk about politics with regular oh, people in public. It's, it's, it's pretty much a non-starter, especially if you try <laughs> dating around here. But uh, what about you guys? Have you have you noticed, I guess, political discourse being different with um, not just speaking with people in other countries, but obviously you're running into other expats from all over the world. Um, what are some of your experiences you, you'd like to relay? Uh, no, no. Mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead. Okay, so I was going to say, well, you know, one thing that I think that um, you, you recognize when you uh, when you start to go to the states is that everybody doesn't have like a screen in their face all the time and is watching, you know, the the MSM. Uh, I really do think that there's something, you know, that that. Well, I mean, obviously, I think it's probably obvious to everybody listening to this podcast that people just get uh, really uh, obsessed with this stuff, and especially with the stuff going on today at each other's throats and all this. A lot has to do with just everywhere. Everybody's, you know, they seriously, people watch like six hours of like CNN or Fox or MSNBC or whatever a day, you know? And so, yeah, people really do. (laughs) Would you think, I mean, yeah. And so, um, you know, obviously you have people that are going to disagree with your opinion, but I just noticed a lot less of people kind of obsessed with the, the, just the news cycle you know, that you have in the States, you're just not going to get that because, you know, I, I noticed even in the States, you know, when I, when you go to a dentist or you in the airport or you're at a bar or whatever, there's always a big screen playing, you know, it might be sports or it might be just uh, some uh, mainstream news. It's just, it's always in front of your face. And so I think that's a big thing that, that kind of changes the discord, ma- makes people a little less on edge. I agree with that completely. There's, so much less of it when you're living overseas. Like, I don't know anybody who watches the news, even half of what you just said. Like, it's just, it's not a big deal. And it seems like everyone else in the world kind of knows that governments are all scumbags and they're liars and corruption is normal. Like, that's that's the given. No one actually thinks that government's there to help you. In some ways, in, in the States, they still believe this. I, I don't know. It's very strange to me. <laughs> Mike, what about you? I mean, I'm I'm so unplugged. I... I'm so unplugged. It's great. I don't know. I just like six hours of CNBC or whatever you're saying. I don't know. I guess maybe it was like that when I was in New York. I was watching the financial news on on Wall Street. Uh, but yeah, I'm so unplugged now, man. Like the airports even, are where it can't be avoided. If any, any time at an airport, it's just CNN everywhere I, you go. I saw something about impeachment for Trump and the House passed it because it's like on a headline somewhere. But I really don't even try to like read that crap. Because it's just not, I can't really control it. What am I going to do? Fight with my uncle? It makes me think of when I was a kid and I was at my Thanksgiving dinner and my dad and my uncle are fighting about politics. Like, I I just hated that. I was trying to, like, play some new Super Mario Brother cart thing and not hear them screaming at the dining room table about healthcare and all this crap. Like, I was just so sick of that. Like, I don't know how many people fight about this and then friendships are broken. Like, but I mean, honestly, it, it's still like in Hong Kong, it's still everywhere. You know, like Hong Kong now is there's a, I have different kinds of politics, I guess I'm surrounded with, with, uh, you know, uh, but I try to tune out of that because I have no real control over it. I think that's the biggest thing for probably your listeners is you can't really control this stuff. So you can fight and 
but there's some sayings in life, right? Like, but there's certain things you can't control. Like, what am I going to do? Run for office and try to like stop all of this? Maybe. Uh, I mean, but then again, I don't know. I just try to tune it all out. And obviously being on the other side of the world is a good way to do that. Let me, I, I wanted to let, let me yeah, just mention one thing. Uh, I was going to say, you know, when I, when I mentioned that I, I went to a uh, university in Madrid, you know, um, I used to go to a lot of Jesus Huerta de Soto's uh, lectures, which a okay. lot of in the Austrian school probably know. He's one of the awesome. Rothbard students and a real boss. But anyways, uh, so I and I was friends with all of his Ph.D. students, and I was also studying with um, uh, David Howden and a lot of these people that are that are pretty big within the Mises crowd. And, um, you know, I was I, it was really big on my mind at the time because I'm studying economics and all that. And then I'd go to a bar or I'd go to a restaurant and obviously in Spain, they're not open to like these big free market ideas and all these types of things. And so I would be debating with people every night. I'd be debating with socialists, communists every day, all night. That's pretty much how, my, how, my, how I cut my teeth with all that type of stuff. So, you know, obviously, like just going overseas is not going to solve uh, all these types of things, especially if you go to somewhere like Europe or, or Spain or whatever. All right, I want to move on. We're going to try to tackle one last question here. Uh, this is from Davey Martinez, and he wants to know, what are the top three countries where there the most liberty exists? Now, that's a very subjective question, yeah. uh, and I think in many ways, one of the themes here that would just really come out is that, you know, in many ways, liberty exists the most where you empower yourself the most, wherever that may be. However, whatever situation you put yourself in is sort of where the most liberty exists. But we're going to try to answer in a less, less philosophical way. Maybe we don't need to come up with three each. Maybe we can collectively, between the three of you, come up with maybe your top country each that, that if you're primarily concerned with personal freedom or individual liberty, where are, where are the best places to go? So maybe you can each give us one and we'll, we'll call that a top three list i'm gonna have to vote for panama i literally did vote for panama that's why i'm here like you did. i i looked at many countries in the world we looked at different 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 programs i was going to be moving to thailand to be next door neighbors with mike here but the visa process yeah we were talking was about shit. it the visa process for thailand yeah this is a big problem terrible so I chose Panama because the visa process is excellent. The government is small, zero taxes. Plus, it's beautiful. Uh, the food is amazing. Like, there's just so much freedom here. Like, I feel better here than I did in many countries. Like, I don't know. I get to also say this because I just moved here. Maybe there's going to be a dark side. I don't know. I only got here. That's still the honeymoon period. You know? Exactly. Exactly. To be fair, also, I write about this stuff every day on Escape Artist and, you know, in my books and in my newsletters and publications and everything like that. So, like, go and check out my writing. I talk about a lot of countries, but I would definitely put Panama in the top three. I, I'd say for sure. All right, Mike, what about you? You spent um, most of the past decade plus um, moving around Asia. Is there a particular country in Asia maybe that stands out as being sort of the most free to you? What, do you, what are your thoughts? Uh, there's <laughs> a lot happening. I mentioned Hong Kong a little bit. I mean, that used to be a place where you could get a you know permanent residence. I mean, you still can, but obviously there's this huge transition happening with mainland China uh, there. I mean, Singapore is another top one in Asia. The negative is it's really expensive to actually live to those places, but they're kind of like well known for for tax havens and for, uh, you know, really low tax and a lot of really wealthy people like to 
at least maybe virtually there with their companies or with their, uh, but it's a huge change in, 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 uh, in Hong Kong right now that's affecting me. Cause I mean, I have my, my company there. A lot of people I know do, but it's, there's a huge change change. So it's hard to, to really put that as a list, but that's a common one in Asia. James, what about you? I, I have a feeling I might be able to guess your answer, but maybe you'll throw us a curveball. Well, yeah, I, I, I hate to, you know, I, I don't want this to be like a cop out, you know, but I really don't like that question just because I, I've been asked that question so many times or people ask me, Oh, what's the best place to go? And I, I, I don't, again, I don't want to speak up, but really I can't answer that question. It what depends about, what if I, on what, what if I you, change it for you a little bit? What if okay. I, because I know in many ways, if you just look at, say, the laws of where you are in Mexico, I th- yeah. I'm thinking you could probably find many areas where there is less freedom. But then there's the laws and then there's how, how they are applied in reality. So, like, in what ways would you say Mexico is more free than the United States? Well, there's certainly, yeah, I mean, th- th- there's certainly a lot. I mean, uh, th- there are a lot of similar um uh, things, you know, in- encompassed in law, but they are not uh you know enforced and, and this type of thing but what what I was I, I don't want to really get in concentrated because we can really get in a lot in Mexico but I, again I'm not trying to get this cop out but it really depends on what you want to do what freedom specifically are you talking about what do you like to do in your life what are you trying to um do and what is frustrating you uh, about what if you're you not want to build into. a gun collection. Mexico is probably not. There. Exactly. That's exactly my point. Yeah. Right. And you know, if you, you know, maybe if you want to drive, you know, as fast as you can, you want to go to Germany where there's an Autobahn or something, or I don't know, you know, it, it, there's a lot of different freedoms. Maybe you want to take advantage of depends on you, depends on where you want to go. And um, I, I, I just can't, I, I can't just give a straight like objective answer on that kind of thing. Yeah, there, there probably is no objective free country. It's all, you know, right. every every country has different layers of tyranny, et cetera. It's the, uh, it's the <laughs> never-ending age-old battle of liberty versus tyranny, and every country is sort of at a different place in a million different ways. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. But uh, I do thank you guys for taking a stab at that answer. I do appreciate it. And uh, before I let you guys go, first of all, thank you guys so much for uh, coming on the show today. I think it's been an awesome time, and uh, I was really glad we could make this work with people being in all sorts of different parts of the world, especially you, Mike, being early morning for you. Sure, sure. As I sign you guys off i want to do a kind of a two-part sign off for each of you i want to let you guys first do sort of a, a 30 second pitch to anyone who has sort of dreamed of becoming an expat dreamed of traveling abroad but hasn't been able to quite pull that trigger just the final 30 second pitch of why they should just take that leap of faith and make that move uh and then lastly of course along with that please feel free to get to plug everything you're doing uh your podcasts your blogs all that great stuff uh miguel we'll start with you just because you're in the, the corner of my screen the top corner of my screen <laughs> Mikel, just Mikel, because yes. I moved to a Spanish-speaking country doesn't mean doesn't mean my name. <laughs> I thought you had changed your name officially. To <laughs> Miguel Torres. No, um, uh, James is Jaime now. You know? Okay, <laughs> I don't know what Mike is in Thailand. I, I'm not going to st- take a stab at that. <laughs> okay, for sure. I think that this is my guess. Most people in the world have a dream place in their mind that they've always wanted to visit whether that's move there or live there or just see. But I would say everybody, they have one one special place. Now, whether you've told people about this special place or not, I don't know. But my suggestion is just go. Just go and try it. See what it's like. Go on a vacation. Do it a um, an extended stay. Move there. Do anything. But just go out there and explore. The world is a really, really big place. There's something like 193 sovereign nations in the world. There's a lot of different cultures. There's a lot of different places to see. And, you know, just go out there and explore. 
Um, if you want to learn more about what I do, uh, go to escapeartist.com as my blog. It's the largest and oldest offshore website in the world. I took it over this year. It's been going for something like 22, 23 years as an online publication. Um, from there, check out my podcast, The Expat Money Show, where I interview, I've interviewed James, I've interviewed Mike, I've had both these guys on my show, both really excellent episodes. Um, and I talk to entrepreneurs and investors who are building their businesses overseas. So it's kind of like a real life case study of what's going on. I've had huge names on there like Jim Rogers. I've had, um, I don't know, Grant Cardone. I've had millionaires, billionaires. I've had like lots of really interesting people. And then Amazon, check out my book, Expat Secrets, How to Pay Zero Taxes, Live Overseas, and Make Giant Piles of Money. Um, yeah, that's good. Thanks very much for having me today, Mark. I really enjoyed it. Thanks a lot, Mikel. Appreciate it. Uh, Mike, why don't you take it away? Sure, sure. Um, yeah, also podcaster, globalfromasia.com. There's also blogs and tons of content about e-commerce and cross-border from, from China like and Asia. We also have a, a summit every year, crossbordersummit.com, looking at Thailand later this year. And ecommercegladiator.com is a book I just wrote. It's also on Amazon. It's probably perfect for somebody maybe wanting to get started on Amazon or e-commerce. It's, it's a story from one I started a couple of years ago until I sold it. So uh, those are probably some good ones and helpful. Um, and I think I forgot the first part of the question. Uh, just uh, kind of your your la your thirty second pitch to uh, anyone who's on the fence who has thought about being an expat. Your pitch to sort of motivate them to just you know take that okay. next step to, to I, into making that. I think we've covered a little bit in the interview, but like like Mikel was also saying is uh, just do it, right? I mean, what's the worst <laughs> that can happen? Especially now, there's feel like there's no excuse anymore, and, to, and we're getting into twenty twenty now. There's really no excuse. There's Airbnbs, there's Grabs or Ubers or these shared cars, like. It, there's less and less of an excuse. I mean, I, I think you can, you know, like when we were doing it a long time ago, it might have been harder. But now that you can get a, you can get a roaming internet on your Verizon. I, my friends I meet here are like roaming on US mobile. Like, there's just no excuse anymore. I feel seriously, it's easier than it's ever been. Uh, James, why don't you wrap it up? Give us your final pitch and feel free to plug away on on all your stuff at Borderless. Absolutely, absolutely. So you know, the thing is, is whether you like it or not, we live in a world that's becoming more borderless. You know, that's the name of my podcast. That's just kind of how it is. It's, it's much easier in order to think internationally with yourself, uh, your investments, your finances, things like that. And you owe it to yourself to at least look at the options. Don't cut off all of these options. You have 200 plus countries in the world. You're, you're really cutting off a lot of your personal options and, and, and your life. It's not something that you can't do, you know, if you have a wife or if you have a kid uh, or if you have, you know, this, uh, people, you know, a lot of people put up a lot of different excuses and, um, you know, just just think about it. And, you know, and, and if you want to do it, a lot of people stall. And like they like they both said, you just got to go ahead and do it. Go ahead and try it. I bet it's not going to be as hard as you think it is. Just like starting a business, just like a lot of other things. You just got to bite the bullet and do it. There are a lot of awesome people in this type of community if once you, once you start going to kind of these different areas where a lot of uh expats and stuff like that you, you notice a lot of really awesome people smart people entrepreneurial people very libertarian types you're going to meet amazing people and um and so that's a really cool aspect of it and they're willing to help you and stuff like that so yeah i have 
uh, borderlessblog.com. I also have Borderless Podcast and uh, tons of free information. All of us, all three of us, I'm sure you could go through and there's so much free information that you could, you know, there, there's really no excuse to not get started with it. And I also do a pretty inexpensive uh, one-on-one, uh, you know, a conference uh, type of thing. You know, I could coach you or whatever. If, if, uh, if you have any questions or that, um, then you can do that on my website, um, point you in the right direction. And um, yeah, so I help people uh, with that type of thing, with immigration issues and with um, international healthcare uh, options and things like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, James. James, Mikael, Mike, thank you guys once again for coming on the show and sharing your stories of life as an expat. Really do appreciate it. Keep up all the great work you're doing. And keep on roaring. Thank you. Roar. Wow. <laughs> all right, kitty cats. Well, that's it. That's a wrap. That's the last Lions of Liberty podcast of 2019. Hope you enjoyed my discussion on life and liberty as an expat with Mikkel, Mike, and James, and I hope you take something from that, because really, in the coming year, not only do we want to grow this show and take it to all new levels, but I really want to focus things in a different kind of way and focus on what people are really doing out there in the world, on focus on the action people are taking to achieve more liberty. And that's a little bit of a, an area that I'm going to try to focus more and more on as the year goes on. Of course, we'll always be doing deep philosophical dives and that sort of thing. We'll always be taking a look at what makes people tick and what makes people libertarians here on the flagship show each and every Monday on Lions of Liberty. And of course, it's not just me here. You got to hit that subscribe button. You got to get all three shows each and every week because after me on Mondays, we've got Brian McWilliams every single Monday ranting and raving like a gosh darn lunatic on Electric Liberty Land in always entertaining fashion while John Odermatt wraps things up every single Friday with his incredibly inspiring and hard-hitting look at the broken criminal justice system. Felony Friday is an absolute can't miss. And the best way to ensure you don't miss anything is to hit that subscribe button. That costs you nothing. Cost you nothing at all to hit subscribe on whatever your favorite podcast app is. I'm an Overcast fan myself, but I'm also a libertarian, and I'm not going to tell you what to do. Listen however you want. The important thing is that you're here three days a week with us, enjoying the ride, coming on this spiritual quest as I like to call it sometimes, into the ideas of liberty. And the other week on Electric Liberty Land, Brian went on a little bit of a a heartfelt and drunken rant, uh, sort of about the direction of the show, and I just kind of want to re-emphasize some of the points he was making. Uh, But I'm not drunk, I'm actually completely sober right now, as sad as that may be. But I just want to say, you know, like I mentioned briefly at the beginning, 2020 is really a year we're looking to blow things up, to take things in better directions, to bring you new and exciting more content in in sort of different ways, uh, bring you more video content, more live interviews, that sort of thing, and we really want to grow the show and take it to a whole new level, because for the, for the past six years or so, this has basically been a, a hobby for us, a hobby that pays for itself, a hobby that does generate income, but essentially all of our money goes directly back into the program, and uh, we're really happy with that. We, if you told me six years ago that I would have this podcast, and it would grow to the point that I had so many of my friends involved with it, and thousands and thousands of people who listen every week, and it pays for itself, and it sends us to Porkfest, and it sends us to the Libertarian National Convention, I would be so thrilled and I am thrilled I'm, I'm incredibly thrilled and incredibly grateful for everybody out there every single listen every single download has gotten us to where we are today but in 2020 I think the three of us me myself Brian and John we're all sort of at little different cruxes in our lives where we really have to make some decisions about where we're going to invest our time where we're going to invest our money um, and, and the question really time is, is the point because the money all comes from our Patreon uh, patreon.com slash lions of liberty if you want to join the, the pride and get involved with that we have 
a little something for everybody, a level for everybody from $2 a month, which lets you access our live streams all the way up to $100 a month where you get an ad for the show. And starting in January, we're going to see uh, the beginning of the shows from our Nittany level. That's $50 a month. If you're on that level for three months, uh, you qualify to begin to uh, participate and actually give us topics to do shows on. And you're going to hear one of those shows starting next month. And we are always looking for new ways to get our supporters and the people who help this show grow more and more involved. And we'll be continuing to do that onward into 2020. But really, the decision we're going to have to make is, can we invest even even more of our time, much more so than money, uh, but more of our time into this to the point where we can take it to, to something more than just a hobby. And I think that's something we all have to figure out. And that's something that the market is going to decide. Uh, if our Patreon kind of grows, uh, you know, as the rate has been growing and continues to grow even more, we'll be able to probably do that. Uh, and if we're able to grow the show, even just downloads and that sort of thing, we'll be able to bring on some more sponsors. Uh, just little things like that that we'll be able to do to turn this from a hobby into something that is really part of our career and part of what we're doing in our lives that that would allow us to dedicate even more time to bringing you an even higher quality product. Uh, that's what we have to decide this year as things go along. And uh, like I said, the market will decide. Uh, but no matter what uh, level of, that you support this show, even if you just like to listen, uh, even if you don't want to send us any money or you can't afford to, that's totally fine. We do ask that you just share the show, that you just tell people about it because that, that doesn't cost anything. It doesn't cost anything to click that share button. It doesn't cost anything to, uh, to retweet. Uh, if, if more and more people continue to do that, we're just going to continue to grow and grow and grow and we are looking forward to growing this show and continuing to grow the liberty movement with you guys that what this is is what this has always been about from the very beginning we all got involved with the ron paul campaign because we saw a greater movement developing and we wanted to not only become a part of that but but help grow it in, in different ways and contribute our own unique takes on things and uh you know our own creativity into the mix and bring more and more people in because that's what this is all about at the end of the day it's about changing hearts and minds changing the world and and this it starts by changing the way people think about things. So that's what we focus on here at Lines of Liberty. I believe I have ranted long enough after an already long show, but if you're still listening to me right now, you are one of our greatest supporters. I know that already. Or you just fell asleep. I don't know. One or the other. But either way, thank you so much to each and every one of you for an awesome year, for an awesome over six years of podcasting. I am so incredibly grateful for everything that I have learned through podcasting, for all the people I've met, and I'm so excited to be heading into 2020 with an even grander vision for where we can take this thing. So until next Next year, kids, I've got one last request, and I think you know what it is. I'm just going to ask that you live long and live free.